This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show for your Friday. Oh boy, it is Friday. Matt and Patrick here. Uh, just a quick little uh, note to you there. Uh, Monday, uh, we uh, Todd Mickelson is going to be in for us. I got to take a kid on Monday to college. <laughs> My second one goes to college. Pardon me while I get into the fetal position for the rest of the show and just... <laughs> Weep hysterically over my dwindling years and the loss of my my, my oldest daughter. <laughs> You're going to be stuck with Brett and Patrick on the show today. <laughs> oh, not my little sweet pea. No. <laughs> uh, looking forward to it. Actually, it's going to be. It, 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 gosh, I mean, uh, it's funny. Sometimes you don't. I think it's obvious. I've got a lot of friends who are around my age and have kids around my age. Just by the time you get into your fifties, you just. You've gone through the school, so not only do you have your friends from like high school and college who are kind of your same age, and many of them start having kids and getting married at the same time, but then, of course, you get into the school districts, and then all of a sudden you start recognizing people who are whose kids are in the same grade as yours, become friends with them. Uh, my, it, It's just – every day it's like five or six friends dropping a kid off at college. I'm like, wow. I, it, it's great. I cannot wait – to gut that room and turn it into my own little rumpus room. Oh, boy. <laughs> so long. Good luck. Can't come back. Oh, uh, so that's that's on your agenda. Do you have, are you going to, was it Pittsburgh in town today? Who's in town this weekend? Yeah, Pittsburgh is in town this weekend. You going in the Twins games? Uh, we'll see. Um, although the amusement of my day was uh, I had to make a restaurant reservation. Um, I won't give the name, but uh, if you've. You would probably know what if I gave the name well, it's of okay. it. It's okay if you, if, you, if you don't want to, you don't have to. But you can mention the restaurant if you like. No, no, no. I meant, I meant it was uh, it was the the booking service that I had to okay. use for the restaurant. Ah. Um, and uh, we, we won't give them cr- run. <laughs> you're, you're you're good on that one. All right. So so I have to book through this third party service because it contracts with the restaurant yeah. that we want to go to. There is less security to get into my bank account than there is to book a restaurant. <laughs> Not even kidding. We sent a code to your phone. Please enter the code and sent to your phone. Okay, now we've sent a code to your email. Please verify the code sent to your email. I'm like, I'm not trying to get into Fort Knox. I just want a table at a restaurant. <laughs> it is pretty comical. Kids, you don't have to break into those auto dealerships and steal those Porsches anymore. No, you got Patrick right here, you know. You know, rolling in cash, Patrick. Oh, I see the flaw of that crime. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> you work in radio. You might as well. That's 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 the old cartoon when they'd open up the cupboard and there was spider webs and a bone. That was it. There, there's your radio broadcaster bank account. I'm not even sure I have enough money to replace the windshield wipers on a Porsche. You have windshield wipers? Wow! <laughs> Amazing radio miracle that this this medium's dying. Uh, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. You don't have dogs, do you? You don't have a dog, do you? Uh, my mom actually does have a couple, a so couple. Uh, you can run with this story. All right, because you know where I'm going with this right away, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's right over here by us. Mm-hmm. We're, of course, at the Palatial Broadcasting Complex here in Eden Prairie, right off of 212 in Valley View. Uh, over there, uh, this is off of... Uh, 
the 494 at Flying Cloud Drive. So basically, is the you know, so if you're yeah, you're heading up to Eden Prairie Center up that way. Um, this is right by where the light rail is. This is like two blocks from us. I mean, right over here. Three dogs escaped an SUV on an exit ramp in Eden Prairie, and one of them bit a man and a woman. Officials said, "Wow." Who was with them? Officials said, "Wow." The incident occurred at 2.30 p.m. on Wednesday at the top of the exit ramp from westbound Interstate 494 to Flying Cloud Drive, the police spokesperson said Joyce Lorenz. While the SUV was stopped at the exit ramp, the red light, a man stepped towards the vehicle, prompting the dogs to bark. As the man moved closer still to the SUV, one of the dogs jumped from the window of the vehicle and chased and bit the three individuals. Yikes! You might want to roll up that window before Cujo gets out, okay? The dog's owner exited the SUV to retrieve the dog, and then the other two dogs also got out. Wait a second, you're driving around with three unharnessed, kenneled dogs running amok in your car who clearly are not very well behaved because they're, you know, barking like mad here. So you open the door, and then the other dogs jump out to get into the Malay. Okay. The dog's owner exited the SUV to retrieve the dog that had escaped, and the other two dogs also got out. The spokesperson added, an ambulance had to take the woman to HCMC with a non-critical injury. The man and the child went to a hospital on their own, were expected to survive their injuries as well. Yikes. I mean, you're going to go to the hospital. I guarantee you that's not a light injury. The dog owner are cooperating with police. Um. The police have not released the identities of the people involved, nor have they disclosed the fate of the dogs. The fact that you have a dog that that is that triggered, that's the okay. It's the owner. It's not the dog. I mean, it's just I, I've grown up with dogs my entire life. It's the owner. It's not the dog. And <laughs> I don't know if you are planning on giving anything to the panhandlers, but you're going to be giving a lot to the panhandlers because that's your responsibility. And it it, it amazes me that there are still people that don't understand that if their dog gets out and starts biting people, that's a serious crime. And, you know, you you might not go to jail, but you're likely going to lose your dog. And on top of it, you're probably going to end up paying. I mean, clearly this guy with the SUV is going to have to pay the medical bills for the people involved. Plus, I imagine there's probably going to be a five-figure check scrawled out at some point as well to help cover the cost, especially of the three-year-old who was bitten by the dog. But, yeah, you're doing a lot of things wrong. I mean, and I'm, I mean, hey, I, I, we've talked about panhandlers here. You know, you, you, I have granola bars in the car. I see them. I try to give them one of the granola bars. Sometimes they don't, they don't want it, and uh, I can't help you then. I just that's the way, That's what I'm comfortable doing. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's, you know, no one deserves to be sitting on the side of a street and have all of a sudden a bunch of dogs jump out of a car and start biting them. So what? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Not, and, you know, frankly, if I can say, if your dogs are, if your dogs are not secured in a vehicle, I mean, when I drive with my dog, I, it's in a kennel, I, especially like I drive up to the cabin or something like that. Dog goes in the kennel in the back of the car. And sure, she might whine a little bit, but that's the safest place for her back there. And she's not in the way. She's not in trouble. She sleeps a good chunk of it because she's a dog. She's fine. But, yeah. 
there's a lot going wrong in that story. There's a lot going wrong in that story. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. I got a lot of things to get to today. I guess I'll, I'll start off with the soon-to-be death of Twitter. <laughs> because Elon Musk today decided to do something so stupid. Okay, let's okay, let's just stop. I mean, Elon Musk is clearly an idiot. I mean, he he is. I don't know how in the world he got all this money. My guess is basically he's taken a lot of other people's ideas and made money off of them. And you might say it's like, well, that makes him a genius. Dude, if he knew so little about social media and then he bought one and then he's trying to run it like he's he's like Johnny Intelligent. You you know, a smart person knows when they just can't walk into a room and say, thank God I'm here. You know, I, I, I'm not an architect. I, I, I mean, if I had a, a bunch of money and I bought an architectural firm, I wouldn't walk in here and do business and say, you know what we're going to do? Scrap every, every draft you're doing. We want every building we build now to be a sphere. You know, I'm not, I'm not stupid enough to do that. I, I want every building I build to be the letter X. <laughs> God, shouldn't give the man any ideas because Elon Musk is an idiot. Um, I've often asked the question, is this a Brewster's Millions? Do you know the movie Brewster's Millions? I have not seen that movie. Richard Pryor, John Candy. Man, if I remember the movie correctly, he inherits $33 million. And if he can spend it all in a month, He'll get three hundred and thirty million dollars. So he's basically it's this. He he gets all this money and he starts wildly spending it, and everyone thinks he's bad. He can't tell anyone he has to spend it. He just spends it like crazy, and and that's the deal. It's not a it's not a great film. It's not a bad film either. The fact that I actually can you know remember Brewster's Millions is, is there, and it, it's worth a while. I mean, Richard Pryor is always pretty good, pretty good entertaining, and it's a very young John Candy at that point. I mean, that's pre planes, trains, and automobiles, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, that's that actually was probably one of his first movies off of SCTV. Now that I think about it, he was young. I mean, so I mean that was probably post Stripes, probably after Stripes that he did that one. So it, 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 it's, a, it's a worthwhile movie. Is this what's going on with Twitter? You know, if you buy a social media company for $49 billion and then destroy it within one year, we'll give you a social media company worth $490 billion. <laughs> is, that, is that what's going on? Because unless that's what's going on, I can't figure out what this idiot's doing. And like I said, it's... He's really not that smart. His latest plan for Twitter, and I'm not saying, no, it's Twitter, apparently focuses on angering a large number of his users. The man-child mogul, nice, nice. I think this was uh, uh, Huffington Post had this one. The man-child mogul announced on Friday the site would be largely dumping the block feature which allows users to heavily restrict interactions with the accounts of others, claiming that it, quote, makes no sense. All right. Social media is interesting. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I can't see the camera right now, but if you are looking at me right now, i got the TV behind me. I've got a whole bunch of social media accounts listed there. 
Blue Sky, I think, is the most promising one. The weird thing about Blue Sky is that Blue Sky, you have to get an invite code from someone who's already on Blue Sky. I like Blue Sky, though. And if you can get a code, go on Blue Sky. It's it's worthwhile. I think that that one's pretty good. Mastodon's not bad, but it feels like I'm – it's a social media site kind of, I think, designed by people who are really big into tech. And so it, it kind of has a lot of unnecessary – it does some things right. I love the 500 uh, – you know, uh, uh, you know, digit entries you can do, so much larger than Twitter. But at the same time, all the addresses are weird because they have all these different little, you know, things. They should just create a Mastodon and be done with it. But that's that's the deal. Mastodon's not bad. I, I like threads. I, I kind of get what they're trying to do with threads. A lot of people don't use it. I'm going to imagine a lot of people are using it more today after this announcement. Instagram, look at me, look at me. I'm a radio host. I mean, come on. What am I supposed to do with Instagram? I post some photos up there, but I don't do much on Instagram. You can find me there. Um, Facebook, that's the that's the juggernaut right now for me is Facebook, uh, the Progressive Citizen X, Matt McNeil Show. That's 8,500 followers there, likes and followers. You can go in and by all means sojourn through that. It's It's there. And, of course, Twitter. Do I get... What would be what I would consider the number of what you call an internet troll? Someone who is just a jerk, who kind of does these drive-bys. Social media, Rick Smith made the point this morning, is like what social media has done is basically gotten too much, people too much too comfortable mouthing out to other people without getting a, a fist to the face. And that's kind of true. We had a world where you just didn't speak to other people like people speak to each other on social media. Because if you walked into a bar and you started talking to people like you talk to people on social media, you're about to get your butt kicked. I mean, I, you, will, you will get your butt kicked and badly. Social media allows just the worst of society to be out there and be exposed. Most internet trolls, when social media started, I'm going to guess about 19, or 2010, 2012, you started getting onto the social media sites. It was a very different world, and it was kind of like, oh, here's this, here's this, here's this. And it didn't take that long to, you know, Barack Obama, blankety, 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 blank. And you're like, whoa. What social media does is it allows intelligent people to look stupid and makes the worst dregs of society look like they're legitimate. That is the problem with social media. And you have people who come on in. And a troll on social media today, and I've said this before, I'll say it again because it's the best analogy I can come up with it. Imagine someone kicks open the door of your house, goes to your living room, drops trowel, goes to the bathroom in the middle of your living room floor, stands up with a smile on their face, pointing at it, saying, you have to like it. Because that's what they're doing. They're coming to your pages and it was coming to your house and basically saying this horrible stuff. And no, I won't let you in my house. The number, looking at social media, how many people per week do I have to block on any of these sites? I don't think I've had to block anyone on Mastodon. I have not had to block anyone on Blue Sky. And I think uh, that, that kind of makes sense. I had already had to block one person on threads, but that's the only person in the entire time I've had threads, which was about two months now. I've had one person. 
Um, I don't do use Instagram enough to to you know. There are some trolls out there, but I you know I, it's it's mainly people trying to say I'm I need help. Please send money, and I'm like, okay, no block. You know, so that, that's that's different. Facebook, probably five or six a week. Probably five or six a week. Twitter, 10 to 15 a day. And I love the block feature. Blockity, 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 block. You're not worth my time. Okay, well, how is that so hard for you people to understand? Walter, you're not worth my time. <laughs> That's a shout out to someone special out there. You're not worth my time. You say such stupid and ignorant things. You're not worth my time. And I sure I'm not coming to your page and making a comment. You're coming to my page because you desperately want my attention. And I'm not going to give it to you. And that's really what makes you guys angry. Is that you, there is no value to me or my followers in your existence in our lives. So blockity, 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 block. It is a feature which is the only thing keeping Twitter viable right now. And the big, dumb idiot, Elon Musk, wants to get rid of it. Big, dumb idiot. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. More on this when I come back. Plus, hey, we got another one. Got to catch them all. A Minnesota woman pleading guilty to trying to overturn the the government of the United States. We'll talk about that as well. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Back to the idiot that is Elon Musk. So once again, if you didn't hear, he's basically saying he's going to get rid of the block feature, which allows users to heavily restrict interactions with the accounts of others, claiming it makes no sense. The reason why, and by the way, I want to make sure we understand. Here's, I'm pretty sure this is kind of the reason what's really going on with Elon Musk. I think that he is tired of, I mean, one of the things you can do is you can block advertisers. And I don't block every advertiser, but I block a lot of his advertisers because I know it hurts Twitter and I don't like him. And so you'll go in there and you'll hit there and you can, an advertiser account comes up, you can block that account just like you can block anyone else's account. And I think this is not, I'm not the only one that does this. A lot of people do this. And so I'm kind of under the impression that what's happened is this is actually hurting him enough on the advertising that he's trying to, to, so he can give value to the advertisers without basically forcing ads on the people uh, that they don't want, that basically this is he'll just get rid of the block button, but, button that, but he's a complete idiot. Musk said users will still be able to block direct messages from others and to mute accounts, which hides a person's tweets from a user timeline. People can also set their accounts to private, meaning there would be a request when people want to follow them and approve or deny it. So the the good idea there, especially if you have anyone who's, you know, trying to market a product or trying to, I don't know, host a radio show and trying to get in touch with the listeners. Yeah, I'll make it private there. One account on Musk's site, X News Daily, tried to explain to the billionaire that muting isn't a full replacement for blocking. It also noted that blocking is more of a service to your followers to stop them from seeing harassment spam and also prevents someone from quote posting you to direct harassment your way. 
Musk didn't take such a suggestion seriously, instead insisting that people use the mute feature alone. As a result, Twitter users weren't muting about their dissatisfaction with Musk's seemingly arbitrary decree. Uh, a lot of people have have basically said that if this is the case, especially women, because I want to make sure you you I mean, I, when when the whole Me Too thing started out and I I've talked about that, I, I talked about how stunned I was that the amount of harassing emails and social media posts and contacts and DMs, women I knew who were not trying to be, you know, influencers on Instagram or or were, you know, kind of, you know, out there doing fun vacation shots, just people who, you know, work as teachers and work as executives and work as, they were getting inundated. Because there is this, and, and, I, and we can talk about another you know, tragedy of our modern culture. There is a shocking amount of men on this planet who are so socially inept at actually dealing and talking with a woman that the idea of doing so terrifies them. But they get this, once again, bravado online. And I'm, I'm in my mom's basement, but I'm going to send a picture of my crotch to them because they'll think I'm hot. It's like – I've said this before. It's like that episode of Friends where Joey and Chandler get porn for free in their, on their internet – on their uh, cable system and they can't stop watching porn and then all of a sudden it starts distorting their real-world view of things. And so they can't, they can't figure out why the, the porn world doesn't exist in the real world. That's actually what's happening. You have people who are hopelessly addicted to online pornography – and they're fine, whatever floats your boat, you want to do that, it's fine. But they, they think that the porn world is the real world and they don't have any idea how to deal with this. So there are women out there and every single day, God bless you all. I, I can't even comprehend how you deal with – I think what i got to deal with is bad. I can't even comprehend what we, you guys have to deal with. Ugh. And so people block them, especially on Twitter. Blockity, 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 block. And now all of a sudden Elon Musk is going to say, no, you have to let all those people back into your life. Now, just alone, the people who have like restraining orders against an ex, they're going to have to shut down their Twitter accounts. And I'm going to guess that's in the one to two million U.S. citizens alone. They, you know, because obviously you do not want someone that you do not want to have contact with you to be able to find you quickly by, oh, let me just do a little quick little search on Twitter. Oh, here they are. And they can't block me. So if you have a restraining order against someone, you're going to have to shut down your Twitter account. But even if you don't have the full-fledged restraining order, you haven't gone that legal thing. If you've got people who are harassing you, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about every person in the last... 15 years, who has ever tried to harass you online, now being able to come back and say, remember me? <laughs> Here's another picture of the old tackle box, you know. Hey. How stupid could you be? I guarantee you, I've had a ton of trouble getting up on Blue Sky today. I think Blue Sky is getting overwhelmed. I think Threads is getting pretty busy as well. I'm noticing a lot more interaction on Threads today. 
I can't figure out what this idiot, the idiot Elon Musk, is trying to do here outside of he's trying to kill this company as quickly as he possibly can. Because I don't – it was bizarre when Thread started up and he sat there and said, don't you want to be harassed by people directly? And you're almost like, wow, you really don't have a clue, do you? But now with this, I mean, it's I'm convinced this guy is is basically one of those, dude, man, chicks like it when you're rough with them, man. Chicks love it. No, bro, dude, bra, 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 dude, bra, bra. Come on, man. No, they like it. I, is he is he one of those guys? I kind of get the impression he is. Because why else would you not take five freaking seconds and realize, oh, I'm going to lose two million people alone in the United States just because of restraining orders. So I, that's probably not a good idea. God. I mean, you just, how you know, he seems intent on destroying Twitter. And... You know, at at this point, I mean, it's hey, I got what thirty eight hundred followers on Twitter. You know, I like you guys. I, I enjoy it. It's it's been fun. But if the block feature goes away, I might not kill the account. But I'm sure as heck not going to post there because I'm not I'm not going to even. I, <laughs> there's no way on the planet I'm posting there because I'm not going to I'm not going to allow people to kick open the door of my house come into my living room, go to the bathroom in the middle of my floor, point it at it with a smile on their face and say, you have to like it. No, I don't. And if I can't lock the door by basically blocking you, I'll lock the door by getting the hell off of Twitter. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We'll take a break, come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Now I got people saying, Matt, follow me here. Follow me here. I'm like, I got to do my best. I can follow all this stuff. 952-946-6205. Ooh, good news. Good news. This is great news. As a veteran of the United States Army, go Army. I um, have very little tolerance for people that try to overthrow the government of the United States, you jackasses. I do not. I do not. And it's funny because I'll post this and I'll always get this. Come on, man. Just because they stormed the Capitol, just because they assaulted the police that were protecting the building, just because they were trying to overturn a legitimate election, just because they were calling for the murder of leaders of our country, just because they basically were brought weapons in there trying to inflict damage on people, and just because they wiped their feces all over the U.S. Capitol. What makes you think these people are anti-American? <laughs> Forest? Trees. All right. Yeah, it's uh, – you're all traitors to the country. You're all you're all traitors to the country because you have put a single man – Above the United States of America and a bloviated, narcissistic, man-child jackass of a man, too. How dare you? Shame on you. Shame on all of you. Like I said, I mean, it, the, the love of this guy, I, 
he 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 doesn't want anything to do with you. He doesn't. Let, he just banks on you basically because because he allows you to be eh, either really racist and really a bigot or kind of racist, kind of a bigot, and you're okay with that. And so he gives you the validation that it's not you're not the loser. Everyone else is a loser, and henceforth you love him. And and, and it's a shame. Another one of these people who has. Uh, was there is from Minnesota, from Rochester. A Minnesota woman pled guilty to one felony charge on Thursday over her part on the January 6, 2021 insurrection. Victoria Charity White, 41 from Rochester, Trader! was part of the mob of then-President Trump's supporters who stormed the U.S. Capitol grounds and stopped lawmakers for, for hours from certifying the results of the 2020 presidential election that Trump had fairly lost. White pleaded guilty to civil disorder and aiding and abetting. Her federal public defender said the federal public defender said White didn't have any comment when asked by the Star Tribune moments after leaving court in Washington D.C. Afternoon, she is set to be sentenced in November. Chuck her in jail. Several different attorneys have represented White since her case began in 2021, with court filings showing that White terminated some of them through text messages. <laughs> oh God. And she rejected a plea offer in February. Oh, good luck with that. Ahead of the latest hearing, White posted on social media last week, it took the plea no going back this time. I took the plea no going back this time. If you only knew what these two years have been like. Oh, have they been bad? Oh, I mean, were they trying to overthrow democracy itself bad? Because unless they were like that bad, no, screw you. All right, I hope I hope they've been miserable, you horrible traitor to the country. I hope they've been a nightmare. And I hope I hope people spit on your name every time they think about it. Ah, two tough years, though, you say. <laughs> Anywho, uh, prosecutors allege that an earlier court filing that making her way from Minnesota, D.C., White on January 6th joined a group of individuals who marched it to the Capitol made her way onto restricted Capitol grounds and pushed her way into the lower West Ter- Terrence terrace tunnel prosecutors also allege in the april filing that while white shoved through the crowd she assisted other rioters into the tunnel and cheered as they attacked the police officers inside reminder i guarantee it's like i support the blue i bet I, I all these guys all these guys that went out there and attacked the u.s capitol police we support the blue yeah whatever um she continued to push forward, and shortly after 4 p.m., she made it to the front of the tunnel where she was confronted by multiple police officers who pushed her back. White had been indicted earlier on four charges in the case, including civil disorder counts, as well as allegedly being in a restricted area, along with a count of involving disorderly and disruptive conduct. She pled not guilty last year. The defendant entered far enough into the tunnel that she was pulled through by police officers who placed her under arrest and handcuffed her. The prosecution wrote in an April court filing she was processed and released later that evening. In September, trial date had been scheduled for White's case before Thursday's plea news a year ago. You were going to lose. That's why. All you guys keep saying, we were right. No, you weren't. We had evidence. No, you don't. Trump's the best. No, he's not. I guess I'll take a plea deal in a bit, but I'm wrong. And, and yeah, yeah, these guys. Anyway, I got to get something here in a second, but. 
Uh, now I'm not saying that, that necessarily she said that, but this is what this is kind of the repeat things when you have these people that finally accept these plea deals that they keep trying to validate their actions and there's no validation for them. Uh, the a year ago, White responded to someone on Twitter and said, "I thought in America it's innocent until proven guilty. I committed no crime on January 6th. Have you seen the tape footage? Because there's actually tons of pictures you breaking the law." I know. I know. Uh, that's a, it's a real crime there when you're you're kind of you, you didn't do anything wrong. Hey, I see you right there. There you're doing something wrong. There you are. White filed a civil lawsuit against the District of Columbia and law enforcement in 2022. This is rich. This is rich. She filed a civil lawsuit against the District of Columbia and law enforcement in 2022. With her then attorneys claiming in a filing on January 6th that she severely beaten with a metal baton approximately 35 times and punched in the face five times by police officers during the events of the day. She was trying to sue the police department that she was actively partaking in a mob that was attacking and got upset that they, they, they actually were violent against me. You almost, you almost can hear. That's only for the black people, isn't it? I mean, you can almost hear that, can't you? I mean, I, I'm not saying that's what she said, but it's like this this thing. How? I'm just here trying to violently storm the Capitol, overturn the democracy of the United States, and probably try to kill as many police officers as I can. <laughs> they hit back. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, all right. Good luck with that. Uh, she, 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 they, 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 she sued because the police officers were trying to stop her from storming the Capitol. White later successfully asked the court to dismiss her civil case last year. An attorney for her wrote in the filing that the white, uh, white does not have the time or resources to spend on her civil case until her criminal case is resolved, but left open the option of refiling it later. White has been outspoken and pro-social media has talked about January 6th in interviews with conservative outlets. The previous defense attorney wrote in February court filing that White does not agree with January 6th was an act of domestic terror, a white supremacist attack, or an insurrection on, the, on, on her part. The attorney also claimed in a filing that White was nonviolent at the Capitol. <sighs> um, it's amazing to me. The thread, the, the 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 recurring narrative that you see with the January six insurrectionists, and that is that they basically keep saying, as much as possible, we were right, we were fighting for freedom. I'm glad I stormed the Capitol, and then the second that they are put in the courtroom, it's like uh, you know, I didn't really do anything wrong. I don't know. I just I got I made a mistake and got caught up in this. And they'll leave the courtroom and immediately go on to a, a far right news outlet or on a social media say, "You see, still fighting for freedom. I'd storm the Capitol again." You know that sort of thing. And you're like, "What in the? Do you think that no one sees any of this? There have been a few January six protesters, insurrectionists." who have very quickly, you know, they got rid of their social media account, they admitted their guilt, they accepted their punishment, pled out very quickly, got fairly light sentences too in a lot of those cases. When they went out there, they weren't out there. And many of them today are like, I want nothing to do with politics ever again. This is this has ruined my life. But, I, you know, I, it just is remarkable to me 
the belligerence that is displayed by these people, and then they get in the courtroom and they'll say, now you can't go look at my social media or any of the media interviews I've done, but just know that I'm just an innocent victim. You know, you're like, wow. You just, you guys, you guys, you guys are getting everything you deserve. Speaking of which, there's another guy here who needs to get a lot more done to him, a proud boy on house arrest, Disappeared days before he was due to be sentenced for his part in the January 6th uprising. Christopher Worrell of Naples, Florida, was due to be sentenced Friday after being found guilty of pepper spraying cops as part of the mob that stormed the U.S. Capitol. He was facing 14 years in prison. The warrant was issued for his arrest on Tuesday after FBI agents discovered him missing, the AP AP had reported. He'd been on house arrest since being released from jail in November of 2021 after he made civil rights complaint about his treatment behind bars. A judge found treatment of a broken hand and had had been delayed. So they basically say he had a broken hand. It didn't get fixed in enough time in prison. You know, once again, by the way, isn't that as well pretty darn rich from all these people? Not only this mentality is like, how dare you hit me? I'm white, you know, sort of, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm just making an observation, you know, that, that sort of thing. But how this like, you know, these prisons that I have been calling to, to, to have no luxuries and be, be, be basically bare minimum and horrible food for years. They're not nice. Really? Uh, I mean, I thought it was hilarious. What was it? Marjorie Taylor Greene when she came on out there and she's, she's, I'm here for the protesters. And someone asked us, well, are you here for all prisoners? She goes, no, just the January 6th protesters. They should be treated better than the rest of them. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, he'd been on house arrest once again. More than a three dozen Proud Boys are believed to have been involved in the January 6th attacks, including the leader Enrique Taro, who was convicted of seditious conspiracy in May. They're asking, I think he's what, they're looking at 19 years they want to put him in jail for? Nice. I have no sympathy. I have no sympathy. The, the it, it's it, it was clear. I mean, all you have to do is go back and look at all these guys as they march to the Capitol with their flagpoles, with their pitchforks. They'd have a pitchfork and they say, "This isn't a weapon. It's a farming implement. I'm entitled to have a farming implement here on the mall," knowing freely they were going to use it, and then you see them using it against the police. I, I, it's a flagpole. I'm just showing it's, yeah, it's been industrialized and industrial strength. I'm just, I'm just using it to show my, my love of, of the, 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 the America. And then you see them using the flagpole to beat the police officers. Bear spray. I mean, I'm entitled to carry it here in Washington, D.C. You never know when a wild animal is going to use this. And of course, their intent was to use it on the police, which they did. The one guy with the hockey stick that was out there, he was whamping. I have it. It just it's a it's a sporting event. I've got this. I'm going to go play some hockey later. You can't stop me from having it. And he used it to to attack the police. They all knew what they were about to do. You don't bring the makings of a gallo just in case. <laughs> you you had all that stuff ready to go. It just you you had the gallo stuff. 
ready to go. You guys knew what you were doing. You knew what you were doing. You were desperately trying to do it. You are desperately trying to install Trump as the president. You are trying to do it. And just because you might have been too stupid to realize what you were doing, you, you knew that you were trying to disrupt democracy itself. At the very least, trying to overthrow the government of the United States. Because your only allegiance was to Trump. And still to this day, you guys just can't come on out here and saying, boy, God, yeah, this was horrible. And Trump could have pardoned y'all right before he left office. He didn't. He let you out to hang because he wanted you to be the fall guy for his plan, which is now what we see was going on with the Atlanta case. And the Washington, D.C. case, that this was their plan all along to try to overthrow the government because they didn't win. Burn in hell, all of you. Burn in hell. I'll say that to your face, too. Burn in hell. I'm saying that as a veteran of the U.S. Army. How dare you try to overthrow this country? You're the ones that basically try to beat everyone else over the head with your freaking fake patriotism. But the second this country does something you don't like, you try to force your agenda on everyone else. You're not Americans. You're not decent Americans. And until the rest of this Republican Party basically starts echoing that statement exactly, there's not a guarantee that you won't try to do this again. So on from, from the bottom of my heart to all of you, burn in hell. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Hi, I'm Scott Shambot from Shambot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, shame-free dental office. If you're having a dental... AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. I got a Minnesota emergency here. Matt, the boat's filling with some water. Do you know what's going on? <laughs> okay. Have you got the bilge pump going? All right. All right. Uh, yeah. 952-946-6205. Sad story today. It's actually getting picked up nationally as well. Um, they're talking about wolves in northern Minnesota. Every year, dozens of the animals die of starvation, disease, parasites, vehicle traffic, and poaching. But the number one killer of Minnesota wolves may come as a surprise. Agents of the federal government acting with the full force of the law. In 2022, there were 172 documented wolf deaths in Minnesota, according to the latest State of Department Natural Resources data. Of those, 142 were killed by a relatively obscure arm of the U.S. Department of Agriculture called the Wildlife Services Division. Wildlife Services is tasked with mitigating conflicts between humans and wild animals. In Minnesota, the agency staffers answer complaints from ranchers who cut loose, lose cattle and other livestock to wolf predation. The agency documents and verifies these compliments, excuse me, compliments, complaints, and looks for non-lethal ways to protect threatened livestock like wolf-proof fencing. If those options don't work, the agency traps and kills wolves, deems responsible for the, uh, for the loss. USDA officers kill more wolves in Minnesota than in all other states combined, according to the program's annual reports. The work is effectively a government handout to ranchers who receive publicly funded protection for their privately held livestock. The, oh, that's, that's, that's socialism they love, by the way. They love, farmers love socialism, just not for everyone else. 
The ranchers also received cash compensation from state taxpayers for their lost cattle, which in 2022 totaled $100,000 for 78 wolf uh, predation claims, or an average of about 1300 per claim. While individual ranchers can experience significant losses if wolves repeatedly target their cows, the overall impact of the state's cattle population is negligible. There are about 2.2 million cows in the state, according to the USDA. The five or six dozen documented and verified wolf kills in every given year amount to a few thousand thousandth of 1% of the total population. So it's a very minuscule amount. But the USDA actions in response inflict a steep toll upon the Minnesota wolves. The 142 kills amounted to basically 5% of the state's estimated wolf population. Conservationists question the wisdom of such massive annual cull for the sake of a few dozen cows, especially as other government agencies, nonprofits, and individuals are working to bolster large carnivore populations and expand their range. We have learned that the carnivores are important to the environment and that if we don't have them, that it's bad for the environment. And so um, it's both heartbreaking and infuriating to see the amount of resources spent killing native wildlife species in comparison to resources spent protecting and restoring them, says Lindsay Laris of the advocacy group Wild Earth Guardians. The American public appreciates wildlife and their roles in functional ecosystems. The disconnect between how the public values wildlife and the federal government's continued slaughter of them should raise alarm bells for, bells for everyone. Uh, representatives from the Minnesota Wildlife Services Office did not respond to requests for comment at press time. In its latest annual wolf management report, the office writes that the ability to mitigate losses associated with wolves promotes public acceptance of the species and contributes to the sustainability of wolves in Minnesota. Um, I, you know, if you go to the International Wolf Center, and by the way, if you want to you see how the war on anything but right-wing thinking has affected things, you go to the International Wolf Center and the mentality – and I'm just going to say this. If you're the International Wolf Center, you should be pro-wolves. And yet they have an entire section of were wolves good or are they bad You know, and this, this kind of thing. So – yeah, I get it. There are some ranchers and farmers that are against them. But, you know, if you take a look at the wolf populations of the planet, humans won that war. That war is long over. And sure, you have a few dozen pieces of you know, parts of livestock that get killed every year. That's a shame. But is it enough to kill off a fifth of the population of the wolves every year? <sighs> We as taxpayers made the decision to bring the wolf back into Minnesota and bring it back with, you know, force to try to help the species reestablish itself. At one point, we were the only place in the lower 48 that had any wolves left, and there weren't many left. I think, well, here in, I think Isle Royal had some at that point, but they might have been Canadian wolves that ran across on the, 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 the thick ice years. Needless to say, the... You don't have a lot here. And a proof of that is that you can, you know, without a bat of the eye, kill off a fifth of the population. If you're taking taxpayer dollars to basically keep the species alive, which I think is a very good idea, then does it do a lot of good then to have taxpayer dollars going to try to wipe them out at the same time? Seems like a big waste of taxpayer dollars. Fine. They want to subsidize and give some socialism to the farmers to pay off if a cow gets killed fine. I'm okay with that. 
But then do you have to go with the bloodlust of killing all the rest of the wolves as you do so? I don't agree with that at all. Hour two, that's coming up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Friday, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Robert, pilot and crew coming in here in the 5 o'clock hour with Native Roots Radio. Uh, the um, I think our so- society, Patrick, is collapsing. I, I think it's I, – I just – there's a headline that comes today that just this – this is to me – this just shows me the erosion of America as we know it. Headline. Meet the internet famous duck that dined at the Mall of America. <laughs> no, what is going? What is go- where to eat? And so I'm always, you know, I always like the food. So was it spectacular? Oh God! <laughs> Bravo! It was spectacular. Uh the place for ducks in your life, Mall in America. There we go. Wrinkle has run in the New York City Marathon. She's she. Wrinkle is a uh, wrinkle is a she. She waddled on the Vegas Strip. She's even been to Dairy Queen. Now the two-year-old duck with seven million followers on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok has finally been to the Mall of America. In late July, she and her owner went to the mall and took a quack. Oh, God. It hurts. It hurts. A quack at mini golf. That's a good mini golf. I mean, Moose Mountain is a fun mini golf. You ever done that one? That's worthwhile. Haven't been there. He explored Nickelodeon Universe. Did you, like, put him on, like, the Fairly Odd Coaster? I don't think that's – the duck is just spread up against the side the entire time. Toured the Sea Life Aquarium, which I'm sure terrified the poor beast, and then ate at Hooters. Okay, stop, stop, stop. Freaking stop. You went to the Mall of America with a duck, and you went to Hooters? Would you lose a bet? Well, they couldn't go to the Dairy Queen because the Dairy Uh, Queen got kicked out. Yeah, that's right. There are other good restaurants in there. You you're gonna take him to Shake Shack. You, you took him to Hooters. Man, you've got guests coming into town. You don't take him to freaking Hooters, man. Take him to Command Checks downtown. Take him over to Park Tavern. You get some bowling in. Get a burger. Fantastic. Thirty bales. 30 bales. They have a lovely salad. The salad at 30. The, the, the duck would have loved it. You took him. What did you get? What deep fried option did you get wrinkle? Oh, God. It gets worse. The first of the uh, the videos. So they, they, of course, obviously with a social media presence the size that this duck apparently has, which, by the way, yeah, it's yeah. You know, sometimes I understand how it can be somewhat frustrating to be a person in today's society. You work really hard at trying to get something, and you know what? Yeah, it's uh, a duck is trouncing you. The first of the two videos documenting the experience is aptly t- titled "I Took My Duck to Hooters." <laughs> I'll let you pause for your own joke. 
but this one's eating my popcorn. Anyway, that's an oldie but a goodie. That's an oldie but a goodie right there. I took my duck to Hooters and was posted on Wrinkle's YouTube page called Seductive on August 4th. In the week since, it's earned almost 2 million views. Who is Wrinkle? Wrinkle is a Pekin duck. Her owner is a, by the way, do we have any place out there that serves duck? Oh, have you ever had Chinese duck? Oh, phenomenal. Tasty. Her owner is a, her owner is a circus juggler. Okay, yeah, just, you know, at this point, it, it, this is like a, a mad lib. Just throw any freaking word you want into this story. <laughs> it's, the circus juggler took her duck over to the Mall of America to go to Hooters. Oh, hey! Oh, they had a Ducking great time. There you are. There you are. My contribution to it. Justin Wood. God, does this story get any? His name is actually Justin Wood. He took his duck to Hooters. It's Justin Wood. Oh, God. Is, Is his brother Seymour Butts? I mean, is that where we're at right now? He goes... He, uh, who basically, by the way, he goes by his human name. I had to clarify this for the story. He's raised wrinkle for stardom since she was an egg, claiming that lacking a duck mother, he warmed the egg himself ugh, by sitting on it for almost a month. Got to be a svelte fella. You know, you're sitting on a duck. He said he got a wrinkle in 2020 when COVID-19 limitations ceased live performance opportunities. So that's when he left the circus in part because of the poor animal treatment he'd seen. His goal was to train, and then so he decided to take a duck into his apartment. His goal was to train animals independently with love and respect. Name has documented each, and so this is just going by human name. That's what his name is, is human name, not Justin Wood, which just adds to this story. Name has documented each stage of Wrinkle's life, and now he's taking her on a multi-city road trip. After stops in San Francisco, New Orleans, Arizona, and more, the New York-based duck visited Minnesota for the first time this summer. Not every restaurant store or landmark is duck-friendly. Ha, 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 you don't say. That's why name, God, often just shows up with wrinkle rather than calling ahead. Is that what happened? Is that you went to the Mall of America and, like, no one else like, dude, no, we're not going to let you serve your duck in here. And Hooters goes, bring them all in. We'll get you well taken care of right here. <laughs> is, is that what happened? Well, you could have just gone to one of the food courts then. Well, you, well, well you have, have you had the mini dog, corn dogs from A&W? Those are tasty. Mm, they oh, are. No, those are, that's a quality product right there. You can go to the Nof Nof Grill, man. They got a Nof Nof over there. I love saying Nof Nof. <laughs> <laughs> I, for, I forgot they opened one of those at yeah, the they, Mall they, of America. Well, but I mean, don't they have some? They have some decent. We could take them to Crave. Oh you know, yeah, could get a nicer restaurant. Uh, Cantina Laredo. What's the one in the hotel over there? The Blue over oh, there. there. There's uh, a good restaurant over there. One of my longtime friends worked there, and I can't remember the name of the place. Did they have? Oh, the, uh, Fire Lake. That Fire Lake. Did they have duck on the menu at Fire Lake? No, <laughs> oh, we got uh, duck on the menu tonight. I mean, what uh, is that? Is that? Is that what? What pickup lines for Mr. Name is like, you know, it's like, hello. <laughs> Let me show you ducks on the menu. Hello. Uh, anyway, so he just shows up. Many people seem wary of Wrinkle until they see how well-trained and magical she is in person, She he added. I'm presuming that means she's not pooping all over the place throughout the Mall of America. <sighs> Grab a squeegee as you come on through. 
Do, do we actually have a, a a law about that about pet? I gotta. There are ever since Friends. Let's go back to Friends again. This is the second Friends reference today. They had the pet duck. There are a lot of people that have pet ducks now. Do they have rules about this stuff? Well, I would imagine, and I'm not being critical of anyone because you know we got to a point where people wanted to take their dogs everywhere with them. So we had a lot more crackdown on no non-service animals. So I would assume the Mall of America has a policy like that. Well, but of course, Mall of America is not stupid. It's 7 million followers. Yeah. Now, be all fair. Wrinkle is adorable. Wrinkle, Wrinkle the duck is adorable. The entire story makes me want to weep uncontrollably. You took him to Hooters. You Okay, you're in the Mall of America. You're in the Mall of America and you took him to Hooters. Okay. Um, there's There are elements of the story which seem baffling to the mind. But at the same time, the, the duck is cute. I get the gimmick. <laughs> it does look like a jumbled word salad of a story. I will say that. <laughs> give me a noun. Give me a place. Give me an occupation. Give me an animal. And go. <laughs> it's wrinkles. Wrinkles. And by the way, if you got a duck named wrinkles... Uh, a wrinkle, all right. Um, don't don't you know, whatever you do, you know, just a a, a bit of a an observ- observation. If your dog is named Wrinkles, say I took my duck to Hooters is probably come on, man. You know, I once again I'm going to pause for jokes. Everyone, get ready, go. Nice, good quality. There you go. Come back soon, Wrinkle. Maybe we can take you to a freaking TGI Fridays, I guess. You know, feeling good in the neighborhood. I don't – Jesus. Heaven forbid we take them someplace where food is served. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Did I just screw up the Hooters contract for us? I will check in with yeah. them. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, boss. That's on me. Nine five, well, it's, it's on wrinkles. Uh, 952-946-6205. So – I have been encompassed in something for basically two weeks. Do you remember two weeks ago I had on the air this there's this individual, there's a story that appeared in the story that appeared in the Minnesota Reformer about the idea of boulevarding out I-94. And I said, okay, it's got some merits, but what are you doing with all the traffic? And what are you doing with all the businesses that use I-94? Because those are fairly large problems. My merely suggesting that that might be an issue prompted a pushback that I've not gotten that much. And this is what prompted me to say, you know what? I need to take some time and do the research on this and really put my brain to what would happen here. Because I I do have a little bit of, I know this is going to sound weird. I have a little bit of weird expertise because of the roadways, because I was a traffic reporter for six years in this town. I saw traffic patterns. I saw them unfold. I was there when the 35W – I wasn't at the 35W bridge, but I was at Metro Traffic when, I, when that happened. 
And I was a traffic reporter for many years. This is a pretty big problem. This is one of the this is one of the largest stretches of highway in the upper Midwest. The stretch of 94 between downtown Minneapolis, downtown St. Paul. And I I don't mind idealists. As a matter of fact, let me start with that. Idealists. I think one of the funny things about this this article and the the fight that I apparently have gotten embroiled into with this is that the arguments are coming at me from the left on this, that I should just go with it, Matt, and just do it. It's going to be great. We're just going to do it. Just do it. Don't think about it. Just do it. Now, I like idealists. I'm an idealist. If you are a, a liberal or a progressive, you've got a little bit of idealist in you. You really do. You 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 have the idea that you – know, I think of the difference between Democrats and Republicans this way. Democrats are the kind of people that after they use a piece of equipment at the gym, they wipe down the equipment so no one else has to wipe up their stuff. They're basically looking out for everyone else. Republicans are the kind of people that wipe it off before they start and then they walk away and they don't wipe it off after they're done using it because they're only concerned about themselves. And I kind of think about that as as a really good gauge. It's not universal. I know some very compassionate Republicans and I know some kind of jerkish Democrats. But the reality is, is I think that that's a great way to look at, the, at life. Republicans only concern about themselves, so they wipe down the machine, use it themselves, and then leave all their sweat on it. Democrats basically are – We'll jump on a machine without cleaning it off, but we'll wipe it off after they're done because they're thinking of the common good, that sort of thing. And so with that kind of mentality towards idealism that we all want to try to make the world a little bit better of a place, which is, I think, a very commendable thing. And my God, I mean, isn't that Minnesota this year? Take a look at that legislative agenda. Making Minnesota better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. The problem with idealists is this, is sometimes they get so addicted to their own individual cleverness that they don't step back and look and say, well, there's actually one very large problem with this, and it's blank. How do you deal with that? And when confronted with that, rarely do idealists go, oh, that's actually a really good point oh, yeah, I guess we really have to do this. A lot of times the idealists, the real far, far left idealists will say, it doesn't matter. It's going to be the best. And this is where chaos rules, is that if you're an idealist and you basically have that mentality, what ends up happening is you crash and burn more often and you become a cautionary tale that you should never try to do this because you literally leaped before you looked and then you ended up getting into big trouble. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to remind you exactly what this whole Boulevard thing is and then express what I I took the time. I thought about this. I looked at maps. I looked at the previous maps and all the research that was done for the, when the 35W bridge collapsed and the research MnDOT did on that. I went through that. I've looked at other bridge losses, the 95 bridge in 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 Philadelphia. I looked at what they were trying to do with I-375 out in Detroit. I went and actually did my due diligence. This is like when I went and did the things with daylight savings time. Remember that? 
God, that was two weeks of my life I never going to get back. But it was a good article. I don't know if this is a good article, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to give you my honest opinion about what would happen if you did nothing but just Boulevard out 94. But then even more sobering, I'm going to give you what I would expect to be the cost breakdown if you actually wanted to try to do this, what it actually would cost. Because I can tell you right now, the numbers they're throwing around, not even close. Not even close. Better chance at wrinkles having a better time at Hooters at the Mall of America, okay? 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. So basically, after I read that story about they want to boulevard out I-94 between Minneapolis, and basically what this, it, it's, it's, they want to go from Marion Street. Now, that's the exit, basically, that goes up to, uh, if you go up to the top there, to the left goes the old Kmart up there, to the right is uh, the Cathedral and Minnesota History Museum, and that's the way over to John Ireland so you can get over to the Capitol. So there you go. You kind of got to get an idea of where that's at. And so they want to go from Marion there all the way basically to to 35W uh, in Minneapolis, which is about eight miles, which is a pretty long stretch here that they want to boulevard this out. Now, you might say to yourself, wait a second, Matt, I I thought we were going to try to do the the land bridge thing. Yes, indeed. The the land bridge in the Rondo neighborhood is something on the agenda, and I'll get to that here in a second. But – the concept is this, that you get rid of the interstate completely, fill in the massive hole that's there, and you're going to have to tear out all the concrete and all that stuff, build on top of it where you then reconnect the neighborhoods across at the level that they would be at. And if you've ever been in the Midway, you know you're kind of well below street level when you're on the interstate. So you're going to have to put a lot of dirt in there, but fill it in. At the top level there, what you're basically going to have is two lanes in each direction, uh, of regular traffic, a dedicated mass transit lane, whether that ends up being light rail or buses, high-speed buses, but that would be that. They would have a dedicated bike lane. They'd have a wider pedestrian zones. They would have pretty trees and stuff like this. And every image that they have has only about 40 people walking around and not many cars there like it's you know you're going through a small town in freaking Vermont. And uh, I, I, I looked at that and I'm like, hmm. All right, well, that's an interesting replacement. What are you doing with the 160,000-plus cars that use I-94 between the two downtowns every single day? Because they're not going to fit on that road. There are a lot of things about what they want to do that I, to a point, like. Now, the first one is something here that that not only the Minnesota History Museum, uh, the Hennepin History Museum – they both have addressed this, and that is the insane racial injustice of the building of the interstates, where when it was out in rural parts of the country, it was easy. You know, just find some farm field, and usually as long as there was a nearby exit ramp, most of the farmers had no problem with it. They were okay with it. But once you got into established metro areas, it was kind of a problem. So where do you put the roads? Time and time again, not only in MSP but across the country, those highways went into the um, – went into the, um, the, the the black neighborhoods that were there, and they tore out the black and low-income neighborhoods, 
in some cases, thriving, vibrant communities, but those were the neighborhoods that were specifically targeted. And if you want to just uh, and see how ugly they were about it, take a look up just north of the University of Minnesota on 35W. They, they, had, they went in with a freaking scalpel to go after all the specific neighborhoods they were going through in there. I mean, it was really bad. That was wrong. And we can say that now, and, and I know that doesn't do a lot of good for the people whose lives were completely upended, but that was wrong. So trying to correct that wrong is a good thing. I would, I'm would. i not arguing in the least bit that if, a, if you can pull it off, a two-lane road in each direction is a much better option than a four- to five-lane interstate system in two directions um, that has got an insane amount of traffic on it. It's going to be much better for that community. There's the CO2 question. Undeniably, it's there. I will make an argument that the CO2 is going to be someplace, but it wouldn't be there at least, at least for the people in the Midway on 94 heading into Minneapolis as well, that that would be somewhat better in Cedar Riverside, that area. Um, but it would still be there be CO2 other places. And undeniably, the, the images and the renderings of this project, there is a lot there that looks like a you know, cute little community neighborhood. That's great. That's great. So there are some things that are here that are definitely got some appeal. But what do you do with the 160,000 cars that use Interstate 94 between the two downtowns every single day? And that's a really big problem. That's a really big problem that that clearly is something I think the people that are pushing this idea understand is a problem. But when I hear things like here are some of the things that that I've heard from the pro boulevard people. It won't be that bad. It will just take, they'll just take other roads. There really aren't that many cars. They'll manage. People will stop driving. Huh? And my personal favorite, just build the boulevard and we'll figure that out later. Okay, because that never blows up in anyone's face. You can't just figure that out later. This is a major metro area with an economic and social model currently built on the interstate system that we currently have in place. And I am not saying that there haven't been injustices here. But you have this is the system that we have. And to just get rid of it and think there's not going to be a massive blowback on this, I think, is irresponsible. You know, there are going to be cataclysmic consequences. And it's insanely selfish and naive just to basically sit there and say, oh, it's not going to be a big problem. So once again, I was a traffic reporter. And and I I mean I don't get, know if it gives me a lot of of credence. I got I stopped being a traffic reporter because it was insanely repetitive. It really was. Um, I I mean I, I I when I when I when I look at traffic, it's kind of clear what happens. You can have an accident here. You can have. Um, you can have an accident. You can have a lane closure. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to get more traffic. That's a pretty common thing. The We've had a few cases where we've had – I don't want to say previews of this because we've never had any, anything to suggest what they're suggesting, the boulevarding out of I-94 through the Midway. But 
we've had a few cases. I'll run through those. Then I'll run through what I think is going to be the problem, and then I'll run through the cost. I'll do that. I'm going to take a break now. Come on back. But really quick, before we go into the break, let me, let me try to get Roberta in, Roberta in here because I don't want to necessarily make her hold for too long. Welcome on in, Roberta. Hey, how are you doing? All righty. Hey, um, maybe this is, I'm not an engineer, so I don't know, but why don't they leave 94 the way it is and build an entrance to it or, you know, leave it the way it is and then where they wanted to put the boulevard, uh, put a roof on the old freeway and um, let people go underground on the freeway and then do what they were going to do on the top. Well, and Roberta, thank you very much. I appreciate the call. And, and and that's something they have done in some areas, Boston, New York, Philadelphia. I know uh, in some areas there they have done that. The, the I'll get more back to this. The Rondo Land Bridge is the one idea that they they're, they're, that looks like is going to be the one that's doing this. But what it feels like to me is that people look at the Rondo Land Bridge, which is going to be four blocks as a kind of a starter to see how it goes. And they're saying, okay, you know, before we start spending money on Rondo, let's basically just scrap the whole system. And I'll tell you what, let me take a break. Come on back. Let me go through a few examples of why there are some real warning signs on trying to do this. My best thought process of what would happen if we just shut down 94 without any other plans. And then I'll actually break down what I think it would cost to actually accommodate something like this. I'll do that when I come back. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. It's going to be so hot tomorrow. There's going to be like the faces on that guy at the end of Indian uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, <laughs> melting. Ugh. It is the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205. So, all right. In the regards to the idea of boulevarding out 94. Um, 35W, we had the bridge collapse. Horrible tragedy there. Traffic was a nightmare. I saw it firsthand. Now, I, I've, I've run into a lot of people saying, well, traffic was that bad. What are you talking about? I was looking at traffic cameras those days. 94 in both directions was backed up. Pretty much every road that crossed the Mississippi River into the downtown was backed up. And they say, well, there are some people that can go to work and there are some cars that disappeared. So, yeah, there were some people that were remote worked and stuff like that for the issue. But for the most part, it wasn't like things moved great. No, there was massive time increases because of the 35W bridge collapse. There just was. It's the largest north-south road on the Minneapolis side and the largest city in the state across the Mississippi River. It was going to have an impact. And... You know, this is – that is a – you know, they're, 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 this is where I started really running into. This is where I kind of made the decision I needed to kind of do a lot more research on this because there were just too many people saying stuff that I knew was not right. That, oh, there was no tra- – there was no traffic. The 35 million bridge collapsed and everyone drove everywhere. Fine. What are you talking about? University was a mess. People trying to get off in university and trying to figure out which way to go. Oh, my God, man. It was a nightmare. And yeah, some people carpooled and stuff like this. Some people walked. Some, yeah, but at the same time, though, the, the, the roads were bad. I was looking at the cameras at those points. Then comes this idea that the I-95 bridge in Philadelphia collapsed, and the, the, the people that are for this boulevard started saying something that I knew was just freaking loony as hell. That was there was no traffic in Philadelphia when the, 30, the, the I-95 bridge collapsed out there. These made that up. Reports in numerous outlets show in Philly show the traffic was horrific, adding 20 to 30 minutes to the commute each way pretty much for all commuters. 
And multiple reports show the side streets were also packed. And that was in Philly. I mentioned Detroit, I-375. This is where they are boulevarding out an interstate. Now, it should be noted, this this is a far cry to what they're suggesting on I-94. I-375 is about a mile long. There aren't a lot of people that use I-375 comparatively to I-94. It's a spur. It doesn't – it ends. It Basically, it's the last mile of it as it ends into downtown Detroit. Uh, is a, it's a spur. It's less than a mile right into the downtown, two lanes in either direction. When reopened, it will be six, six boulevard lanes, a cost of at least of a quarter of a billion, at least a quarter of a billion. The stretch they want to do in the Twin Cities Midway is nearly eight miles. The main highway connector between the two biggest downtowns in the state, two and two, ten, or excuse me, nine to ten total lanes at some spots, eight lanes for most of it, and the new 94 Boulevard will only have four lanes to car traffic, nowhere even close to the same product. They're not comparable. When they reopened up the 35W Bridge, they shut down a lane of traffic on 94. Remember, they expanded out 94 across the Mississippi River Bridge. They added an extra lane there to try to ease up some of the traffic. When they did that, they actually did some analysis of what the impact of that was. Just shutting down that lane on the Mississippi River Bridge on 94. And it added two to six minutes worth of traffic just for that one lane restriction on that bridge to the people of St. Paul, it added a two to six minute thing. I mean, this is a huge red flag that this is a bit of a problem. This is one lane, went from five lanes to four lanes on that bridge, and it added two to six minutes. I've had multiple pro Boulevard people saying, well, that would be the only problem. Two to six minutes. What's the big deal, Matt? Come on. That's not going to be an impact. I got, you're not being serious. You're not being honest. This is a problem. And like I said, I agree with I like a lot of what you're wanting to do with this boulevard thing. But you're not dealing with the the, the largest problem. What do you do with the 160,000 cars that travel on I-94 between the two downtowns every single day? Uh here I'm going to I'm going to give you what I anticipate being in the city would be like. If we just shut down I-94 today with no other upgrades, just we're just going to shut it down, we're going to make it a boulevard, and see, it will be perfect. Okay. And I took a long time. I read some analysis. I did this. I So I, I, I'm pretty comfortable with this analysis of what would happen if you just boulevarded out of 94 without making any other accommodations for the traffic, the 160,000 cars that travel on I-94 between the two downtowns every single day. The new community-friendly boulevard would be constant, constant bumper-to-bumper traffic. Just the local commuters in St. Paul and the East Metro that either work in the Midway or in Minneapolis will back that up starting at 5 a.m. every day, and it will stay busy, basically packed all the way till 9 p.m. in both directions. It will. Marshall, Selby, Summit, Grand on the south side of 94, University, Minnehaha on the north side will all be bumper-to-bumper traffic as people trying to find alternative routes to get to the west side where they work and live. Uh, Every city street in the Midway will see some increased traffic. I guarantee you of that. Neighborhoods that currently don't have a lot of traffic will all of a sudden have people flying through them trying to find alternative routes to get around this mess. It will be very similar, I think, to what you see up on US uh, 10, up in the Northwest Metro, or Central Avenue 65, up through Blaine. 
But the problem is, is on Central and US 10, at least they do get some speed sometime on those roads. You're going to be putting traffic intersections basically at every road on that stretch. It'll create a dam system that prevents the overwhelmed roads from being able to disperse the traffic quickly and efficiently. You're just going to overwhelm it. My best guess is it would be a 45-minute commute from the state capital, U.S. Bank Stadium, which is about a 15-minute commute right now. It would triple the commute, and that's my at-best scenario. At best. Let's talk about the traffic that's not trying to get to a specific point in Minneapolis, just the traffic that's trying to use Interstate 94 to get through the city, whether that's traffic that's moving towards Wisconsin or traffic that's going out to North Dakota and then to the West Coast. The 694-494 loop would immediately be overwhelmed. For God's sakes, it's two lanes in a good chunk of Lake Elmo. It will be bumper-to-bumper traffic for the entire ring, with the exception being the western side of the metro. Not just rush hour. We would graduate to Chicago, L.A. levels of traffic. You would have traffic all day long. Secondary east-west highways, which are not many of them on the east side, would become basically a nightmare. Highway 36 would become the main option to get to downtown Minneapolis via highway from the east side. It would be overwhelmed because there's traffic lights on a good trunk of that from the 694 interchange up on the northeast side of town. The Crosstown 62, which is now the old 110 that used to be down there, that would be overwhelmed as well. That also has traffic lights on it. That would be a nightmare. 494 in the South Metro is already a mess anytime you get by the airport. Getting to the airport will be a nightmare for anyone on the east side of town. You'll need to have a complete investment in mass transportation. You will have to. It's the only option you have. You're going to have to basically build a much more European-based mass transit system to accommodate this because it's just going to be a mess. It, it, it's just it's going to be inadequate right now. Are, are you saying, okay, I mean, if you live by where these bus lanes are going to be on, on the boulevard, it would probably be nice for you. But if you live anywhere else and you have to drive, are you, drive, are you walking the 10, 10 blocks to a, a bus stop even in winter? If you're out in, if you're out in Woodbury or, or Lake Elmo or if you're up in Marine on St. Croix or down in, in, you know, in Afton, are you basically – do you have even a bus line that comes anywhere near you? Do you even have one that comes by on a regular basis? Then there's the people that work there. And I've had multiple Pro Boulevard people insist, there's no businesses on 94. What the hell are you talking about? You are just making that up. There are tons of businesses. Off I-94, that ship every day. And I guarantee you, they're not going to want to stick around that much if it's five extra gallons of gas every time they have to go and drop something off. They're not. They're going to move, which means you're going to lose a lot of your jobs in the area. But once again, the people that are pro Boulevard seem to think that what's going to happen is people are, well, they're not going to go work in Minneapolis. They're going to open up a a, a, a Giuseppe's 1910 fruit stand and they're going to have a fruit stand in front of their business. Oh, I got a fruit stand. Or they're going to open up a hemp bag shop. That's not going to happen. You're going to lose all your jobs. Or not all of them, but a lot of them. And then what about the Wild and the Minnesota United? They need people from the west side to come out to their games. 
maybe not the, 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 the United team as much, but the Wild sure do. The Ordway, the Science Museum, the History Museum, the Children's Museum, most of the restaurants and stores in St. Paul have a business model based on people coming from all around the metro to support them. If you're making it difficult, guess what? They're not going to come. That would be – that's just what I, I kind of figured out. I looked at it. It's like if you boulevard this out and you don't do anything else, yeah, you're not going to have too much success. Now, fine. You really want to do this. Then let's talk what you would have to do with costs to make this happen. Okay? The first thing, before you even put a shovel full of dirt on 94, you need to go out to 694 to 494 on the east side. They will both need billions, billions of dollars worth of upgrades needing to be expanded to at least, at least four lanes. On 694, you'll need to take it four lanes all the way from 94 on the east side all the way over to Highway 100 in Brooklyn Center. You're going to have to figure out a way to do that. That includes replacing all those bridges. You're going to have to do that in regards to that. On the 494 side, you're going to have to have it four lanes at least to 110 down by where that's where the Vikings thing is, right? Down there? Yeah, yeah. You're going to have to have at least four lanes there. You're going to then have to go on out to Highway 36 and Crosstown 62. You're going to have to get rid of all the traffic lights on those stretches. You're going to have to turn those roads into, because that's going to be your main roads into Minneapolis from the east side. And regardless of what you think, oh, people will just stop driving. No, they won't. They've got jobs. They've got things. They want to get over there. So they'll take, the, you're going to have to highway out 36. You're going to have to highway out Crosstown. Got to get rid of all that. Okay, so that's, by the way, and my guess, and you're going to have to replace the Mendota Bridge. I've tried to figure out the numbers on this one. I, I came up with 25 to 30 billion, billion with a B, just to do that before you've done a thing to I-94. By the way, where are you getting all the dirt that you're going to need to fill in that road with? That's going to be a bit of an environmental pickle as a, alone. You're going to need you, – basically, you're going to have to tear out everything on 94. You're going to have to tear out all the concrete, all the, the sewers, all the lines, and relay them with all that dirt. Just doing that alone from Marion Street over to 35W is probably going to be 5 to $10 billion more. Just to do that alone. Then you've got to build the new road, which if you can get away with it cheap, maybe $2 billion. You need to have a massive influx of spending on mass transit that you're going to have to bring in mass transit. And that's going to be probably another few billion dollars there. You're going to need to have, because you're going to need to subsidize mass transit to bring people over to, people from Minneapolis are not going to go and spend 45 minutes to drive to downtown St. Paul or take a bus and three, a train, two buses with transfers to get over there. So you're going to have, you're going to have to have much better mass transit. That's going to be another few billion dollars. You, you, it's going to be a mess. I, I don't, I'm trying to just spitball a number here that you would need to do. If you want to boulevard out I-94, I keep coming up with like 45 to 60 billion. And I keep thinking that's woefully inadequate. That is probably going to be closer to 75 billion, billion.
million to do this for one neighborhood. And your entire argument about walkable cities and community friendlies, nowhere else is going to be community friendly. Nowhere else is going to be walkable because we have to basically, so that one eight-mile stretch can have a community feel to it again. Every other road has to become a major highway. I... I want to say, once again, I like this idea to a point, but it's just not practical to be able to pull this off. Go with the Rondo Land Bridge. Seriously, just go with the Rondo Land Bridge. Use that as a startup. You you want to stop CO2? Well, then encourage green energy, green cars, electric cars and hybrid cars, and start cutting back on the pure fuel cars. Get them cut back. Expand mass transportation, not just on I-94, but throughout the entire metro. And maybe in 25 to 40 years, you might actually start, if you if you start, you build the Rondo Land Bridge, it works great. We start building three or four more of them. We all of a sudden start reconnecting it. You have some options there. But you still have I-94 underneath the land, the, 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 the land bridges because we still need to have that. Until we basically get more green technology. And if we have more green technology, we still need the highway, but we're just not going to have the CO2, which is a win. I just, I cannot wrap my head around how in the world you guys want to just ignore the 160,000 cars that travel that highway every single day. Courtesy, by the way, of CARE 11. Talking to MnDOT. That's the number they gave, not one I pulled out. I went and found the number. You guys got a problem with this idea, and you've fallen in love with it without actually solving the problem. And if you do this and it fails, you will be a cautionary tale because everyone who's an ally will get voted out of office. They'll immediately undo what you started to do, and they'll basically – and anytime anyone brings up something like this ever again, they'll start screaming, don't ever do that mistake again. So you have to be careful how you do this. If you really want this done right, you're going to have to take a few steps back and make sure you are doing it right. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Let's take a break. Come on back. I do have some music for the end of the week here. But, yeah, it's good to get that off my chest at this point. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Patrick, you wanted to chime in a little bit on that issue. What is it there, Ron? Well, if you were talking about, you know, you would have to upgrade 494 and 694. And I think, I think what would be, what would probably happen is you would make 694 into 94. So you have that continuation. But because what I was thinking about was, 694 drops down and goes south to meet 94. And it's at that cloverleaf interchange. Well, you can't just have 94 be that loop ramp that's there right now yeah. because it, that's already a mess enough as it is. You'd have to rebuild that into a massive interchange. <laughs> yes, you would. You would. You'd have to. You'd have to rip out that entire. You'd have to rip out a mile there, and you'd have. You'd have what they kind of have on 35W when you get down to the crosstown, where it splits like that, and you go 494. And you're right. It would probably be the end of 694. 694 would cease to exist. It'd just be 94 all the way around that, and be 494 from the south side all the way up to the Fish Lake Interchange. Yep. So. No, it's, I, I I can't think of any – you know, it's like I said. I get it. You live in that area. You live in the Midway. It sounds like a good idea. But 
you can't just ignore the 160,000 cars that use that every day because if you don't, it's you're just going to create a far bigger mess, which I guarantee you people will not tolerate. Will not tolerate. You all of a sudden create it to where it's a it's an hour and a half, two-hour commute to go from, say, Woodbury over to downtown Minneapolis or you're having to take secondary roads and third roads or, you know, an hour and a half on a bus with three transfers. Yeah, you're, you're, you know, people are, they'll be demanding you redig out 94 very quickly. Uh, so Native Roots Radio, that's coming up next. A reminder, I am not in on Monday. Todd Mickelson is in on Monday, so enjoy him by all means. Uh, I will be back on Tuesday. Dury, uh, you know, I love these guys out of Burnsville. Fantastic stuff. A little bit lonely. It's taking us out. Have a fantastic weekend. I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Till then, see ya.